Jeremiah chapter 5. I want to preface my remarks this morning by saying, and sometimes I probably need to do this more often than not, I have not come to fuss at you today. Although at times the tone of God's Word seems to be that way. I've not come this morning to fuss at you. I've not come today to make you mad, though the Word sometimes has a tendency of doing that to us. But I do want to challenge you today. Jeremiah chapter 5, beginning reading with me in verse 21. And it begins with this statement. Hear now this, O foolish people and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord, or reverence you not me. Will you not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree, that it cannot pass it, and though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. But this people hath revolted, or hath a revolting and a rebellious heart, and they are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, let us now Fear the Lord our God, or reverence the Lord our God, that giveth rain, both the former and the latter rain in his season, he reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. I want to speak to you for just a few moments this morning about the everyday gifts of God. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. It is amazing to me how that one's thinking can so affect their life. I am not just a proponent of the power of positive thinking, but I am convinced that there is a power in the mind that can be seen nowhere else in the human life. That there is within the confines of the walls of your mind the power to turn life And to receive and recognize or fail to receive and recognize many of the daily things that God has provided for us. I said to a group of young marrieds just a few days ago, and I I think it would be good for me to remind this church that you can never affect a positive outcome with a negative attitude. And you have the power and the capacity 
to influence your life for good or bad determined by the way in which you choose to think on a daily basis. How much of our life is affected by our thinking is even more than we can understand. As a matter of fact, in some of my recent study, I discovered that the word think and the word thank come from the same root word. And I got to looking at that and I got to realizing that a person who thinks will thank. And a person who does not think will not thank. It's as simple as that. That if you take the time to consider, if you take the time to look around and observe, you will find that over and over and over, God has surrounded our lives with things to encourage us and help us and strengthen us. How many times do we feel that the world is against us and we allow that mind and that thinking to take us down the perilous slope of discouragement and depression and fear and doubts creep in and questions surface in our life? And how often do people waste away in a bitterness of soul because they are not what they ought to be because they are not thinking in the right frame of mind. How often are things missed in life because we simply do not take the time to think. And so today I come with a reminder of how your state of mind and how your state of heart can affect your life. It has such a powerful influence over you that it can either enlighten you or it can blind you. Because the Word of God said that they had eyes, but they could not see. And they had ears, but they could not hear. What had so affected God's people that though they had eyes and the potential of seeing they could not see, and they had ears and the potential of hearing, but they could not hear. How blind we can be so many times in life, and how deaf we can be even though God is speaking everywhere we look. And that's what I want to come to you about this morning. You see, Israel had failed in a very elementary way. And God sent a prophet to rebuke them and to upbraid them. He sent a prophet to speak to Israel about their transgression. And what is so interesting about the transgression was not what was common to Israel. One of Israel's common faults was their forgetfulness. They would forget the Lord and they would go away from him. But that was not the rebuke this day. The rebuke of God was not of their forgetfulness. The rebuke of God was toward their heedlessness, their carelessness, 
their disconnection to the everyday things that God was doing in their lives and around them that they were not aware of. It is not that they were neglecting him who saved them out of Egyptian bondage by the way of the Red Sea. It was the fact that they simply failed to honor him every day that they lived in every way that they could. They failed to give him reverence or acknowledge him as who he was, King of kings, Lord of lords, God of all gods, the only wise God, the only one they would ever need to truly succeed in life. And they had neglected them. They had failed to see the everyday gifts of God's doings. They had failed in the most elementary way. They had failed to discern God in everyday things. Everybody say everyday things. Everyday things. They had failed to see God. You see, there are spiritual laws that operate continually. Whether you recognize them or not, they operate. Here is the secret, though. Those spiritual laws operating do not benefit me if I do not acknowledge them. The spiritual law of God is give Come on, somebody, you can present. Give and it shall be given. How? Pressed down, shaken together, running over. So the spiritual law is that if you act, God is going to act as well. But that law, as powerful as it is, cannot truly affect your life until you first give. You can sit like a wart on a pickle. You can stand in a barnyard all day long and that ain't going to make you a cow. And you can sit in a church or you can live in God's world and this is still God's world, by the way. I don't care if people say it's going to hell in a handbasket. I'm here to tell you that this is still God's world and God is still in control of all things. And you can live in this universe. You can live in this world of God and not recognize that spiritual law that's operating and miss the blessings and the benefits that come. And the truth is... That when you forget the daily things, you will never know when God does the great things. Amen. And so Israel had failed. These laws of God were all around them, but they were oblivious to them. They were heedless. They had failed because they had overlooked the daily benefits of their God. They did not think, and so, as a result, they did not think. Amen. They did not think, and so they did not think. Do you know what? 
Ingratitude is a deadly thing. A person who fails to be thankful is a dangerous person to live around. Because the Bible says that their unthankfulness makes them blind. Their unthankfulness makes them deaf. Their unthankfulness makes them to grow dull so that they cannot even understand the simplest thing that God is trying to do for them on a daily basis. Ingratitude. But I'm going to tell you what's worse than ingratitude is carelessness. Where are the nine, Jesus asked. Did I not heal ten? Where are the nine? They were too busy enjoying the blessings that God had brought to them to take the time to say thank you. And it was that heedlessness of what God had done that caused pain in the heart of God. You see, it seems that it is easier for God to rule the sons and the systems of the world than it is for him to touch one man who has a will and a mind. Amen. Don't anybody go to sleep on me. I might throw the microphone at you. I'm not that boring. Amen. Here is the recording of man's response to God's provision. He takes God's blessings but ignores God's existence. He questions God's interest, though all around him every day there are evidence that God is there. He disregards God's word, although God's word never fails and it will never return void. It will always accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. That the Word of God is so powerful that once it is spoken, it sets things in motion that no other power on earth or in hell can stop it from coming to pass. The Word of God. And yet they had disregarded all of that. They didn't have a reverence for the one who kept the sea in its place. Jeremiah came to remind Israel the most basic and fundamental of God's mercies. And so do I come this morning. Jeremiah observes God's government of nature. It is more than man has acknowledged and he reports from what he sees that God is still ever-present. He reports from what he sees that God is still all-powerful. He reports by what he sees that God is still omnipotent and omniscient and all-present, that what he sees reminds him that God cares and God cares very much for you and I. And in a very dark, dark day for Israel, Jeremiah reminded in them three things that he saw that God continually did on a daily basis that should remind them that God is still on the throne. 
Number one, he said, the first reminder is the subject of the seas and the subjection of the seas to borders that are invisible to the eye, but they are powerfully effective upon the movements of the water. The boundaries that God set on the sea was the shore. It was the sand that lies there on the shore. What a powerful illustration of God's ability to put a door or a limit on something. How many have you ever gone to the beach and reached down and grabbed a handful of sand? And how difficult it is to hold in your hand because it is unstable. And yet God took an unstable thing like sand and he marked a boundary and he said, See, you can come that far, but you cannot come any further. And God put a limitation on how far that water could go and no further can it come. Amen. God put a limitation. He sets a limit on the sea. He came and told them it will move so far and no farther. It reminds me that God not only puts limits on the sea, but God puts limits on our trials and limits on our burdens. For it was Paul who said to the Corinthian church that he will not put more on you than you can bear. God knows the weight limit of every individual in this building. And God knows how much you can carry. And he knows how much you can stand. And there is an eternal promise in the word of God that he will never, 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 never put more on you than you can bear. That ought to make you lift your hands today and say, in spite of what the devil may be telling me, I can make it and I can survive because God has put a limit on trial and a limit on trouble and a limit on the test of life. The fire does not burn indiscriminately, but it burns for a purpose. May I remind you this morning that he will not put more on you than you can bear. Somebody say it with me. He will not. He will not. God keeps in check the destructive forces of life. The sea, with all of its beauty, is also powerful. How many of us who live on the Gulf Coast have seen the fury of the sea whipped up by the storm and the wind? The destructive power of the waves that surge and lap up on the shore that seem to redefine nature itself. But God's promise to Israel is that I have put a check on the destructive forces of life and there's a boundary and they cannot go any further. You see, I've come to tell somebody this morning that you need to stand up and rejoice because it may press you, but it cannot pin you and it cannot kill you. It may burden you at times, but God said it's not going to take your life away because I have set a limit on that sea. And so to God's people, he speaks to them. He knows what you can bear, and he knows what is good for you, and he knows how much you can carry. And his promise is, I will never put more on you than you are able to bear. The devil is a liar, folks. Hear me. The devil is a liar. 
He's telling some of you this morning that you cannot carry this weight anymore. He's telling some of you that you cannot bear this burden any longer. He's telling you that I'm going to lose my mind if I don't get some relief. And the truth is, God will not put anything on you that will cause you to lose your mind. God will not put on you anything that will cause you to give up. You can make it because he has made it in his law for you to make it. You can overcome it because he has made it in his law for you to overcome it. It is not your battle to fight. It is his and he has already decided the boundaries of it all. And he said it is not the end. It is just the beginning. And so God sets a limit on the sea. And then after he had viewed the limits of the sea, the great prophet Jeremiah looked again and he saw another proof of God's mercy when he looked at the falling rain and he considered all that was there. How wonderful and cleansing is the rain. It washes the earth. It replenishes what the sun has dried up. But how... How do the clouds that look so fleecy and so light hold up such a burden as that of rain? Science says that the dynamic force that is needed to lift the clouds and to sustain them in their place in the sky is 200,000 times greater than the united strength of all the people of the earth. And yet every day, God upholds those clouds by the power of His Word. Amen. It is interesting to note that there is an engineer that has so designed those clouds that they can carry such burdens without falling. What engineer has built these reservoirs above the firmament, hanging them in the skies above? But God himself. You see, God has the power to uphold all things by his word. Listen at this. They say that a fall of rain, one inch, just say one inch, one inch deep over one-fifth of the Atlantic Ocean weighs no less than 360 millions of tons. And yet all that rain was held in the clouds until God said fall. So you're telling me that you've got a burden that's too heavy to carry? God said, I uphold all things by the power of my word, Hebrews 1 and 3. Isn't that amazing? He upholds all things by the power of his word. It means that the continued existence of this world is here because his word continues to speak it. Its word continues to prophesy. His word begins to work on it and continue. If God were to stop speaking, you hear me right now. If God were to stop speaking this morning, this world in which we live would return back to the chaos in which it came. But because God every day is speaking, he is, he is bringing and continuing the existence of this world. It will never end until he says it's over. 
He upholds all things by the power of his word. You can carry more than you think you can because God can help you. Amen. Amen. The clouds are proof that he can sustain you no matter how heavy the load may be. If he can hold that kind of weight in those clouds, all that rainwater. Anybody ever realize how heavy water is? Anybody try to pick up a five-gallon bucket of it? I'm just talking about a five-gallon bucket. How much does a five-gallon bucket weigh? Some of you brilliant people, I know there's some people out here that know the answer. How much does a five, somebody Google, no, don't do that, please. How much does a five-gallon bucket of water weigh? How many? Over 40 pounds. How much rain did we get around here a couple of weeks ago, four weeks, five weeks ago? Our tank out there filled up. I don't know how many thousands of gallons, but there's a ton of, of water that can be held in that detention pond. And all of that was held up in the clouds until God said, okay, go. Now, you're telling me that your problem is so big and it's so great and it's so overpowering that you're not going to make it? I'm not, I tell you, I didn't come to rebuke you. I just come to tell you, you can make it because God upholds those things that need to be upheld and you're his and he is not going to let you or me down. He is not going to fail me no matter how heavy the load may be. He can keep you up and he can keep you going until it's time to lay that burden down. I'm coming to a close. Jeremiah found a third proof, and that was in the return of the harvest year after year. I'm not a farmer. I did drive a plow one time, a combine. The only thing the people in the neighborhood remember about me was that was the loudest singing guy they'd ever heard. I didn't know I was sitting on that huge tractor with I don't know how many tires. The wheels on it were taller than I am out in the cornfields of Illinois, and I was just having myself a Holy Ghost time. The roar of the motor and the rumbling down the cornfield. I was plowing a field for a friend of mine. I was singing to the top of my voice, and they called the guy I was with and said, I don't know who's out there on that tractor, but he's awfully happy today. <laughs> oh, Hallelujah. I'd rather be that way than down in the dumps all the time. Amen. Your thinking can get you in trouble, folks. That's why some, of, some people are depressed this morning because they've let their thinking take them down. You know what? You can turn that around. The same thinking that took you down can take you up. And if you can do what Jeremiah did, just look around. Open your eyes. Just look. There's a limit to the sea. God said no further. It's not ever going to break that boundary. God will not allow it to break it until time is no more. He will set the limits on what can be held. But they will be held until the time that they need to come down. And they will not come down any sooner than God says come down. And then the harvest. The harvest. Not just the harvest, but how consistently the seed produces the same fruit year after year. Do you know that most likely, I, and there here again, I'm not a scientist, but 
I believe that I could safely say that the corn or the wheat, as it was referred to in Scripture, that was spoken of in this text and this harvest and in later times was the same wheat that had been from the beginning. It was identical to what the disciples ate when they walked through the cornfields. It was identical to what Ruth gleaned in the fields of Boaz. It was identical to what Gideon hid at the threshing floor in the wine press of Oprah. And it was the same grain that Joseph stored in Egypt. And every year it falls into the ground and it dies and it reproduces itself in like manner. What a mystery there is in the power of that seed. And how mysterious is its growth. It grows by a fixed and unalterable pattern. A seed placed in the soil. Before long in that dark womb of the earth, life begins to stir. And something begins to happen. Something is born. And it takes a predetermined shape. Two fibers shoot out. One turns downward into the earth to make roots, and the other one turns upward to make fruit. And it happens over and 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 over again. You don't plant an apple tree and worry about reaping an orange because you know that the power of the seed is to produce what it is. And God said, Israel, I wish you would wake up and look around at your harvest field. Look how faithful I have been. You planted a little, but I gave you a lot. You planted one seed, but I gave you a hundred million thousand. You only did one thing, but I have loaded you with daily benefits. My God have mercy. A single seed is planted. And it becomes a sheen. A seed falls into the ground and dies. And the Bible says it does not remain alone. Or it does not remain one. But it brings forth much fruit. Much fruit. So the principle is simply this. God takes a little and produces a lot. That's why a little bit of praise is always better than no praise. And some of you say, well, you know what, I don't really feel like it. I don't know what a little bit of praise is going to do. I'll tell you what a little bit of praise will do. When you put it in God's hand and you give it to it can produce a harvest that you can't even imagine. How many times have we come to church and we were so tired and weary and we were so wore out by life, we didn't even have hardly enough energy to lift our little finger, but somehow we got a hand up. And the next thing you know, we feel the touch of God on our life. And we hear the Word of God and it gives us direction and walk out of here in a different frame of mind than we came. Why? Because we just gave Him a little. And in that little that we gave Him, He turned and gave back to us far more than we could ever give to Him. And the promise of God's law is that if you'll just plant one seed, I'll give you more than you planted. If you'll just observe my law, if you'll just honor me in your labor, I will heap upon you blessings that you cannot store. I will bring into your life things that you cannot even imagine. Oh, come on, clap your hands right now. 
Give him a little bit of faith. Give him a little bit of praise. Give him a little bit of prayer. Give him a little bit of worship. Give him a little bit of love. And see what it will do in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can stand. All of you can stand. What an amazing thing it is. This new beginning that God brings to us. He brings new opportunities. He gives us the chance to begin again. Year after year, month after month, it happens. Amen. We labor long and hard and we think nothing ever is going to come out of it. But all of a sudden, up springs. Up springs something. It's just a small thing, but you watch it as it begins to grow. Where did it come from? It came from somebody observing the law of harvest. That whatsoever you sow. What? Soever you what? Sow you shall reap. That means if you sow depressing thoughts, you're going to reap depressing thoughts. If you sow, I'm not going to make it. I have news for you. You're not going to make it. If you sow, I can't get better. Guess what? Pardon my crude English, but you ain't going to get better. You're not going to get better. Whatever you sow, you reap. And you don't have to sow a lot to reap far more than you sow. Just sow a little. Sow, sow what you can. You know what? I'm not. Some, some people think that preachers have, you know, have it made. All they do is eat fried chicken every day and just come and scream at everybody at church and then go home and eat more fried chicken. I promise you, and I'm not, I'm not bragging on my trouble, but I have my problems and I have your problems. And sometimes I can deal with my problems. It's your problems that keep me up all night. Not because I'm, man, I'm just praying that God will help me to find a way to help you. That I'll say a word that will lift you. How can anybody that knows that God has set a limit to the sea and he upholds the weight of life and he brings the harvest continually. How can anybody that knows those three things ever feel like they cannot make it or they cannot overcome or they cannot defeat whatever's against them? How can anyone proceed through life as if there's no God? How can you live as if you're not accountable to Him at all? You know what I learned a long time ago? Sometimes you have to put the sackcloth inside and come out dressed like you have everything in order. Because they don't need to see all of my problems. They got enough problems of their own. 
What they need to see is that in spite of my problems, I'm still praising God. That in spite of my problems, I'm still faithful to God. In spite of the pressures that I'm under, I'm still going to praise Him, worship Him. I'm going to be faithful to Him. I'm going to love Him. I'm going to give what I can. I may not be able to give a lot, but you know what I've learned about God? You don't have to give Him a lot for Him to give you a whole lot. You don't have to come with all of these gifts. Sometimes we're of the mindset if, if we don't have this extravagant thing to give God, if we're not like the woman with the alabaster box and we don't have that ointment that fills the whole room, then we don't have anything worth giving. And the truth is, God would just as soon have your might as he would that alabaster box because the widow's might got just as much attention from him as the woman who broke the alabaster box. It's not what you give, it's the fact that you give. Give Him praise. Give Him your love. Give Him your worship. Give Him your faith. Give Him your trust. Amen. Hallelujah. Give Him an opportunity. That's all that He's asking for. Just give me an opportunity to show you how strong I am and how mighty I am. And so today, I don't even know how to close this service other than to tell you that somebody here this morning needs to give God an opportunity. You just need to give Him a chance. And it may be nothing more than you just stepping out from a pew and making a walk of faith to an altar and saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I've come today to stand in this altar and put it in your hands and say, God, if you could set the limits on the sea and you could hold the clouds in their place and you could make the harvest come over and over again, then surely you're going to know how to work this problem out in my life. I'm just going to come and give it to you this morning. If you're here today and there's sin in your life and you don't know what to do with it, I'm asking you to come and give it to Him. He knows what to do with your sin. He knows what to do with your failures. He knows what to do with your shortcomings. He knows what to do with your limitations. Oh, yes, come on. Bring your problem. Bring your trouble. Bring your hurt. Bring your disappointments. Bring your pain. Bring your questions. Bring your doubts. Bring your worries. Bring your fears. Oh, yes. Just bring them and give them to Him. Come on, lift up your hands and your voice to him right now and begin to call upon the Lord. He's an able God. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. Oh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is.